Yes, you are in. I'll tell you what, it's been a while since we've had a play of the day. Just that season, been dusting off some BTRs, and it's also been a while since I've had an epiphany. This one isn't my epiphany. This is just a, an excellent teacher with some excellent takes. If you haven't heard of Timothy Keller, he makes his debut, at least on the Fry Dudes platform, for Play of the Day. Wow, just a lot of wow moments. So, well, we'll play them, we'll bring them, we'll react to them. Here you go. The play, the play, is play. of the day. Check this out. Swung on and hit in the air to right. <laughs> and that ball is gone. And on his part. He doesn't believe things can be changed. What about us? How do you look at the world around you? How do you look at your society? How do you look at your city if you live here? Are you like Jonah, just as cynical? Are you just as intimidated by it and just as cynical that you believe that the possibility of radical change is 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 not it's negligible. It's not even there. Are you cynical about the possibility of it? Are you like Jonah, not only cynical, but not caring enough about the society around you so that, like him, you have pretty much decided to let that go the way it goes, and I'm just going to deal with my own personal goals and try to achieve a few things in my own life. The other people in your boat, the people you live with, the people you work with, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your apartment building, do you believe that you can make an impact on them? The purpose of the sailors is for God to take Jonah by the nape of the neck and put his face in them and say, you are here for them. If you belong to me, you're here for these people. I don't care that you don't like them. I don't care that you think they're beyond hope. I don't care that they're very, very different than, than you are. You have no right to be absorbed in your own goals. You're here for them. Now, how much like Jonah are we? Hmm? A lot of you say, hey, I don't really live here. I'm just here for a while. And the people around me, they're so strange. I couldn't make a dent here even if I tried. You're just like Jonah. Exactly like Jonah. You've forgotten what the real kingdom is. You're cynical, and so am I. To some degree, you're proud of the people like yourself, and you don't like the people unlike you. And in New York, you're, everybody's a minority. And so everybody around you, you feel like you're overwhelmed with people who aren't like you, who you don't really know that you understand, and you're not sure you like them at all. Just like Jonah, God takes the sailors to say to Jonah, Jonah, if you belong to me, you're here for them. And my kingdom power is the ultimate power, so you shouldn't either be cynical and you shouldn't be scornful about them. When God speaks to Jonah, he speaks to us. Now let's just take a look and see what the sailors teach Jonah so that shows us how we are supposed to regard the world. It shows how we are supposed to handle the world. And who's we? I'm talking about the church. But in particular, I'm thinking about when you look out, no matter who you are, where you're from, what country you're from, what social class you're from, what profession you're from, the great thing about New York is most of the people around you are different. What is your attitude and stance supposed to be toward them. Here's what the sailors teach us. Number one, first of all, the first thing we're taught here, and you especially see it here in verse five, is that every human being has a deep spiritual longing, but 
in our natural state, those deep spiritual longings are distorted by fear. Every human being is deeply religious, but the religion that we've all got is a religion of fear. And you see it here in verse 5. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now, here's what we learned from this. You know, first of all, Romans 1 is being confirmed here. Paul says that every human being is homo religioso, is inherently religious. The deepest need that any human being has got is to worship. We all have got to have some overarching religious goal or purpose that gives everything else meaning. We are not like animals. We cannot get up every day and simply do what's there. We can't get up and feel like we've got any meaning in life if we're just eating and sleeping and working and resting and going through the cycle. We have got to have something bigger. We all worship. We have to worship. Every human being is deeply religious, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you claim. Uh, know yourselves here. Some of us are so bitter because we say, my life is ruined because so-and-so didn't love me. That's a religious statement. I haven't gotten meaning. I haven't got purpose. It's a religious statement. Have you ever gone to certain poetry readings or even certain concerts where the people who are there obviously like it, but they, they demand a kind of atmosphere of religious reference, reverence? Have you ever noticed that poetry readings, it's like going to a church service sometimes? And I'll tell you the reason why. There's people there who rightly love literature, who rightly love the music, but it is the only source of beauty and joy in their lives. Wow. <laughs> you look at me. I, you know, Friday's been talking about that way for a while, about how we're all religious to a certain degree. Now, maybe you haven't been to a poetry reading. And maybe you are, though, at least disgruntled and just kind of indifferent what's going on. But I don't think about it. When's the last time you've been to a concert, right? So nice to have concerts back. After uh, COVID's been running amok and uh, it's just so nice. But if you really think about it, you look around like for some, this is their worship. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about a Christian concert either. I Name your band, right? For some, that is their center. How about, how about a football game? National Football League is in full swing or maybe even going to baseball games this summer. What do you see? For some people... That is it. They don't go to church. That is their church. And listen, I, I enjoy a good concert. I enjoy a great game. But deep down, we are all religious. No doubt about it. In something. And definitely, fear is a common denominator for all of us. And so that's why we click on what we click and what we watch for what we watch and what our YouTube algorithms show, Right? Shows us what we're into. So algorithms figure this out, right? What do you like? What don't you like? What do you fear? What do you feed? Hmm. All right. Next take from Timothy Keller. Oh, I didn't, didn't know we could get so much. I, I know this Jonah story. I've, I grew up with it, right? Uh, well, I don't know about you. But I grew up with it. It's, it's quite the Sunday school lesson, but... I, uh, here I'm decades later, and I'm still learning so much about it. So, all right, next.
reflex the reflex of the human heart who doesn't trust God and doesn't like God and doesn't want God in charge of your life whenever you get in trouble is to pray see that's the reflex the reflex always is when you get in trouble to pray but there's no actual coming out to him and saying I surrender to you the natural human heart believes number one that God wants to rule it that's right and that if that happens that's the end of your joy and freedom and that's wrong how do you know whether in trouble right now some of you are in trouble and you're getting more religious than ever and you're seeking him more than ever how do you know whether right now you're you're moving toward God is a prayer of terror or is actually a response of faith that is born out of trouble how do you know you're moving toward God in a manipulative way that wants you where you still want to be in charge of your life or in a way of trust and love it's fairly simple what happens when you get out of trouble because when you get out of trouble do you find yourself no longer having any interest in praying no longer really having any interest in the things of God do you find that if your prayer is answered you cool off immediately and you might not even really crack a Bible or really work that much at your walk anymore or do you find if his prayer if your prayer of terror is not answered that you get so bitter and so angry that you walk away from God showing that all you ever wanted to do is use him anyway you see the prayer of terror says God I'll deal with you if I can use you and the prayer of faith said Lord I now see that you need to use me any way you want I give myself to you you know what's really ironic about the prayer of terror which is not the prayer of faith and surrender the prayer of terror goes like this Lord I'm in a pickle I'll do anything 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 if you'll help me and the one thing he asks is the one thing you won't give him you say you'll give him anything but you won't the one thing is to come to him unconditionally and trust him and to say I'm gonna obey you no matter what you do for me in this condition no matter how you handle my prayer just because I know that you're trustworthy you are more competent to run my life than I am I know because of who you are I owe you my life I know because of what you've done for me in Jesus Christ I can trust you in other words when you say I'll do anything if you get me out of this the one thing that he really wants from you you won't give him and that is to stop saying I'll do anything if you get me out of this and to say I'll do anything for you period oh I am guilty of this I must confess as I strive to mature and, and develop and reflect I'm like God why why am I going through this why why is my wife going through this or, or, or my kids and instead of just really and asking for just instant delivery versus like God what are you doing through this what do you want me to do through this what what good what, what, well I need to trust good's gonna come on this I need to trust Romans 8 28 and for some of you by the way the first time you're listening to this this is yeah, this is some advanced thinking. Now, now we're in the deep. We're definitely in the deep side of the pool. And for some of you, this is too much. But for you, the versed believer, the one that's been going to church for your whole life and, and, and stepping up in your, your game and your level, uh, this is a profound take. Profound take. Very deep. Very reflective. A time when you just got to surrender. Say, like, God, I hate this cancer, but... What do you want me to do? 
what shall I do through this? Or I hate this debt. Uh, I don't have an instant solution, so what shall I do? What should, what shall I, how can I use this to better glorify you? That is some definite advanced thinking. All right, wrapping up. We'll get to, uh, oh, by the way, I'll tell you exactly where you can find this entire lesson. Just a couple more. A couple more hits. Here you go. It's your artistic field. If I can make it in that area, then I'll know. You have no idea how those fields are going to treat you. You are living in fear. And until you finally give your life to the true God, you will continue to live in fear. My dear Christian friends, everybody out there is like that. You ought to know that. You are like that. You were like that totally, and to a certain degree, you still are, even as believers. Because we have fear to the degree that we serve other gods than the true God, the Heavenly Father, who loves us and who gave His Son to die for us. Be honest about ourselves. Let's be very honest about ourselves. Many of us, like Jonah, are too personally wrapped up in our own problems, too personally wrapped up in our own hurts and our own pains, and we look around and we see the incredible problems around us. We say, oh my, oh my, I'm too hurting for this. I'm too messed up myself. I got too many of my own problems. And we're asleep below deck. And the world, should be, the world comes to us and says, get up. You've got a God. If you've got a God, why aren't you doing something for us? Use the resources that you've got for us. Here we are, completely absorbed in our problems. Meanwhile, families are breaking apart. Our society is being pulled under by an underclass of despairing people who are there largely because of our neglect for hundreds of years. Uh, you've still got just thousands and millions of people, refugees, people coming to this country who are both physically needy and spiritually open. The children are dying in the streets. Meanwhile, we're asleep below deck because of our self-image problems. We're asleep below deck because of our own hurts. Because we want somebody to help. You know, and now listen, listen. There is a balance here. And surely you know that. And surely you see that God says, I realize that you've got to get input from me if you're ever going to be of usefulness out there. But God also comes to you and says, you're not going to very often feel strong until you begin to move out. It says in Philippians 2, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God at work within you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Work out, for God is working. As you do the work, as you do the service, very often the strength comes. One of the reasons a lot of us feel so weak, you know this from trying to help somebody recuperate who's been sick a long time, they had to be in bed for a long time, and at a certain point you say, you've got to get up. I'm too tired to get up. Well, you're too tired to get up because you're not getting up. Those of you who work in healthcare know that that's what happens. At a certain point, you say, until you get up and start to make yourself feel like you're going beyond your physical capacity, you'll never get beyond your physical capacity. The reason that we are so self-absorbed in our problems and the reason that Jonah is self-absorbed, let's not forget what it is, it's Jonah's self-righteousness. Ultimately, Jonah believes he's better than these pagans, and as a result, he doesn't care for the pagans. He's forgotten he's a sinner saved by grace. That's the reason why the Bible can tell us in Isaiah, in Matthew, in James, and right here, that the way you can tell vital faith is by the way in which you treat those who are different from you, those who are downtrodden, those who are dirty, those who are ugly, those who are loveless, 
those who are outcasts. You know, some faiths require that we go to hurting people and meet their needs. Like Islam, you must take care of the poor. But Christianity goes beyond that. It doesn't just say you must take care of those people who are different. Christianity says you will. Christianity says the way you can tell whether or not you understand the gospel, that you're not just a good moral person who looks around at other people who are failures and says, pick yourself up. I did. But if you understand the gospel, and that is that you are a spiritual failure and that you've been saved only at the incredible cost of the death of the eternal Son of God, if you understand that, that changes and revolutionizes the way in which you look at everybody, and therefore, your willingness to deal with the hurting, the, the outcast, the different, is a sign of whether or not you are a believer, or at least whether or not your faith is a totally intellectual one or not. Let me put it as starkly as possible. The Gospel says this. The difference between, before God, before God, before God, the difference between a goody-two-shoes, goody moral upstanding, decorated national hero, and a criminal drug lord, before God, the difference between those two people is negligible. You know why? Because in their natural state, both of, neither of them love God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. Both of them are living for their own pleasure and for their own glory, but they're expressing their self-centeredness and their unwillingness to live for God. They're expressing that in two different ways, one in a socially acceptable way and one in a socially unacceptable way. And a real Christian knows, regardless of your pedigree, regardless of your background, regardless of your record, when you look in the face of an outcast, you say, spiritually, I'm as much a failure in God's eyes as this person is to me. Mic drop. Man, I, I mean, that meant nothing to you, any of that, but that hit me in between the eyes. Where'd I go with that? I, I am flawed. You, you listen to this podcast long enough, Romans 3.23 comes up just about every episode, which says we are all flawed. We all fall short of the glory of Christ is why we need Jesus Christ. But as humans, we, we love to judge and stratify and put certain people up and uh, put people down. And it's just what we do as humans, right? So let me end on this note. As a running joke, I, as I moved to Crazy Cali, um, I'm involved in California, Southern California, for a lot of my life since my mid 20s. And um, there's always a running joke about Nineveh, Crazy Cali's Nineveh. And I, was, I, I willingly went. So I don't get credit for that. I, I do love the palm trees. So does my wife, Lori. And weather's not too shabby. Um, definitely has some negatives. But I, I, I went here. But here's the interesting part. Here's Here's one of the affirmations, one of many since we've, we've uh, full-time moved here. The homeless. I, I, we might be the capital of homelessness. We're pretty darn close, um, especially the L.A. and San Francisco area. Uh, but I find myself in Coachella Valley, Palm Springs, about two hours away. It's its own, its own little paradise, but not without its own issues. It has homelessness. I used to complain. I used to complain back in Minnesota. I used to, I, I used to complain here. What's wrong with them? Why don't they get a job while well, I'm settling my own debt? I have my own issues. Uh, but I used to complain. Ah, and God gave me a neighbor named Laguna Dave. 
And um, one of these days he'll work his way onto this thing. But um, he served. He serves the homeless every week, twice a week. And it hit me. I'm like, ah, you're not just talking the talk. You're walking the walk. Like Jesus walked it. Matt 2540 territory. And he got me out there. And I started meeting these people. I started going face to face and seeing them in their eyes and learning about them. And for some, they're stories. For some, it's a quick exchange. There's just there's a myriad of reasons why they're on that street, whether it's addiction or mental illness or sleep and blow deck. Um, like, like Joe and I, we're all guilty of that to a degree. But my eyes have been opened. And now I'm, I'm serving, striving to weekly, setting up a mobile shower unit with my brother Gary and a group there. And we'll see. Stay tuned on that. But anyway, what, what are you complaining about? What's, what's irking you? It's probably what you need to be working on. And not exactly what you think. Not about complaining, actually serving and loving and getting to know that segment or those people that might be bothering you. That's probably your indicator. And if you're like me, you ran from it and just complained about it for a long time. But now it's time to step up. Step up like Jonah did. Step up like I did and many others have and striving to make a difference and living out those words from Jesus in Matt 22, 36 through 40. To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind the best you can. Yes, we're flawed. We'll, we'll stumble. We'll fall in that. But also to do to love others as yourself and especially the others that you complain about. Right. Yes, we're to find Timothy Keller. Timothy Keller. Okay, that those all those all those plays of the day those excerpts came from episode number 802 the church before the watching world and the title of that podcast is gospel in life gospel in life podcast and i'm sorry the title of the podcast 802 the church before the watching world timothy keller oh and side note I listen to a lot of people. I, so do you. <laughs> There's a lot of voices everywhere. Uh, Timothy Keller has just recently moved into close to my top five. Um, my, my pastor, Ricky Jenkins from Southwest in Indian Wells, California, references him quite a bit. Then Marcus One and Dunn's been quoting him. Then my own daughter, my youngest daughter, of all people, said he started li- listening to him more and studying his stuff and his books. And he's got a ton out there, by the way. So... For you, it's maybe not a revelation at all. Um, but I've just recently been joining. And so I'm going to challenge you to listen to other voices and try different things. And you'll know, especially if you're versed, if it's biblically rooted or not. Uh, but mega kudos to Timothy Keller. And thank you to my daughter. Thank you to Marcus. Thank you to Pastor Ricky for opening my eyes to this brother. All right, wrapping up. If you're, if you're able, if you're willing, would you just bow your head? Thank you so much for joining, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this listener, wherever they are. That might be Germany or California or Minnesota or Florida. Thank you for them. Thank you for them giving this this ragtag podcast a, a shot as we pursue truth. 
And hopefully, I, well, I believe they're here for a reason, for exactly these words by Timothy Keller. Thank you for the opportunity to, to shine some light and, and direct more to, to him that haven't maybe heard of him before. And Lord, for some, maybe they've just never really given you much of a shot or Jesus Christ much of a shot. I just, if that is you, listener, I just, yeah, what's working in your life and what hasn't? You have a purpose. There is a reason for you. You are wired to make a difference. You are wired to be a Jonah. And if you run from certain problems, something seems scary, so do I. Be set free with that. Just tune in more. Start reading more. Get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Understand more. Listen to more podcasts that are pursuing truth like this or Timothy Keller or Rick Warren. or There's, there's just so many. Brian Loritz. Lord, thank you for those voices. Thank you for those voices of inspiration. Thank you for those teachers that can help simplify things that seem so confusing in the Bible and make it just crystal clear to act upon. Thank you, Father, for this listener. May they go on to make a great difference for the rest of their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.